Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. I was thinking about what to talk about. You know, guys, I'm going to be real with you guys. Um, Easter sermons, everybody's like, oh man, don't you love doing Easter sermons and Christmas sermons? And I always say, no, I don't because it's kind of the same old story. Are you with me? It's the same old story sometimes. And I started thinking about that and I was like, you know, but the reality is, is this. I was thinking, I was like, you know, some things never change. Some things never change. Some things are always the same. Some things never change. There are things that never change. I always ask Wendy this, my wife, I always say, Wendy, let me ask you a question. Do you think that your mom and dad and my mom and dad at our age right now that we are, we're both 29, and she's 29, I'm 48. Um, But I said, do you think at our age they thought the same thing about society as we did? And she said, I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure that they didn't like Prince and the revolution when you were listening to it. I'm pretty sure that they didn't like Motley Crue when you were rocking out to it. I'm pretty sure that they thought you drove too fast and they thought that the world was coming to an end. I'm pretty sure, and she went on and on and on. And I'm pretty sure that's probably the case as well. You know, some things never change. Old people are always going to think that the music's a little too loud. My goal in life is to be the old person that wants to rock out and crank it up. Partially because I can no longer hear, but partially because I want to rock out. I'm currently saving money for a sound system in my Jeep. A system in my Jeep. I'm talking about the kind that you had when you were younger. Did anybody have one of those in their, in their car when you were younger? I had a $1,000 car and a $2,000 stereo system when I was growing up. Did anybody else have that? I had Blahpunk. Anybody, anybody remember the company Blahpunk? You guys remember that? It was, the, it, was the first, it was the first company that had figured out how to push the button and make the, the cassette tape go to the next song automatically. And then when you got to the end, it would flip over and go to the other side. But you had to remember that it was still on this side and it would flip over and go to the other side. And so in order to rewind it, you had to hit this button instead of this button. Are you guys, are you guys with me? I had a 15, 15 link there, a little 15 uh, knob, I don't know what you call it, a 15 knob equalizer sitting, literally I screwed it into my dash. And I'll never forget, I can't count the number of times that I sat on the side of the road and waited for my dad to get me because the car was broke down, but I was jamming. <laughs> and everyone knew that I rocked and rolled. A lot of things are never going to change. Can I tell you guys something? There's always going to be someone that doesn't like you. Always. That'll never change. If you walk around always trying to please everyone, you're going to be sadly, sadly mistaken that you can. Every generation is going to think their time is the best. Now, we all know that the 80s were the best, right? But every other generation is going to think that their time is the best. There's one question, though, that every person who's ever been born and every person who's here and every person that's ever been born is living now or will be born, every person has to answer one question. You have to answer one question. Every person, every person, what are you going to do with Christ? Every person that's a Buddhist, every person that's a Muslim, every person that's an atheist, every per- on and on and on and on, they've all made one decision in their life, and the decision is this. What are you going to do with 
Christ. What are you going to do with Christ? The same people that were there when he died and then rose again, those same type people are here today. And the way I see it, there were four crowds. There were four crowds there during Jesus' time. And the way I see it, there are four crowds here today. There's four crowds at Easter. Okay, there's four crowds at Easter that come along. All right, now here's the first crowd. The first crowd is this. What do I get? When they engage Christ, the question they ask is this. What do I get? Like, let me see those. I know everyone's going to know what these are. And don't throw them because I'll drop them and then I'll be weird. Thank you so much, son. All right. Does anybody know what these are? Every ADHD person in here now is suddenly focused on this and no longer cares what I think. You just want some of these. All right. So let me tell you what I did. I have an office up here now, and I decided that I was going to uh, get some, something and put it on the edge of my desk so that when kids walk by or adults walk by, they would look and see that, or when they came into my office, they could have a little snack. How many people don't like just a little snack? We all like just a little snack. And so I have these M&Ms. Now, I don't keep them in this because my wife says that would be tacky. I actually have a, a, a candy jar that I actually keep them in. But it's clear, and you can see clearly that these are M&Ms. You can see very clearly that they're M&Ms. Now, I want to tell you something. Before I put those M&Ms, I was having maybe one or two visitors a week. Now... They're coming in twos and threes. There's a flow. I actually have three girls that go to this school. And one of them's daddy is a preacher. She knows better. She asked me Thursday, as God is my witness, I was here in the afternoons and I was over at the gym talking to one of the teachers and she says, Pastor Barry, do you have our snack? <laughs> and I said, no, what snack are you talking about? She said, you know, our snack. And I said, no, I don't know what your snack is. And she said, it's the M&M's, moron. We come every afternoon. And they do. They walk right by and then they walk in. And here's the funny part. They always act as if they really want to talk to me. Are you with me? They always, they walk in and they're like, hey, oh my gosh, Pastor Barry, how are you doing? How's things going? Are you preparing your sermons? How's your congregation? Is everything going well? Can I have some M&Ms? <laughs> and that's what they do every afternoon. Every afternoon. Sometimes I stay a little later than after school gets out, and there's a couple of teacher's kids that roam around here, and there's one teacher's kid in particular he is slick. He's slightly chubby, the way I was and am. He's that way, and he walks into my office, and he's got a lift. He talked like this, the way, same way I talked. When I was his age, I talked the same way. And he walks up and he says, Hey, Pastor Barry, how's it going? And I've got the M&M sitting on the side of my desk, and he goes, Hey, Pastor Barry, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm doing fine. How are you? He says, oh, I'm doing pretty good. So everything going well? 
yeah, man, everything's going well. Because, you know, little kids can't think like some of the older kids. And I said, would you like some M&M's? And he goes, every time he does this, he goes, oh, M&M's. <laughs> and I want to say, you little liar, you don't even like me. If this was empty, you wouldn't even come in here. So I gave him some M&M's. You know, it's funny because the same kind of thing happened when Jesus fed the 5,000. Now, a lot of people don't know the rest of the story. Jesus feeds the 5,000. You guys, a lot of you guys know that story. There's a story where Jesus actually feeds 5,000 with, with the loaves and the fish, and he feeds these 5,000. It was a miraculous thing that happens. But a lot of people miss the rest of the story. The rest of the story is, is, that, is that everyone kind of settles in for the evening because they're, you know, you know how you feel when you go to the buffet, right after the buffet. Some of you guys are going to go out to lunch after this, and, or you're going to go to someone's house after this, and sometime around, let me see if I can count, 2.30-ish, you're going to hit the couch, and it's going to be lights out, all right, for a while. And so they did the same thing. They were up on a hillside, and they just kind of stayed there. Now, listen, it was very difficult back then to get food. It, was, it wasn't easy to get food, and a lot of people that followed Jesus needed food. And so what they did is, is they actually stayed out, and they kept following him. And they kept following him, and they kept following him. Now, some of them kind of said, oh, yeah, yeah, we want, yeah, we want to follow you. The truth of the matter is, is they didn't want Jesus the king. They wanted Burger King. Are you with me? That's what they wanted. They didn't want Jesus the king. They wanted, they wanted Burger King. You know, the same is true for a lot of us. It is. What do I get? What do I get out of it? What is it that this Christ can do for me? What is it that I can get? What can, what can I take from this? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, they want, they want Christ, but they don't want the cross. I want to say that again. There are four crowds at Christmas, and I mean at Christmas, probably Christmas too, if I'm being honest, but there's four crowds at Easter. And the first one is, is what do I get? And there are, those people oftentimes, they want Christ, but they don't want the cross. They don't want the cross. They don't want the dying to self. They don't want, they don't want to put their own needs on the back burner. They don't want that. As a matter of fact, oftentimes they will take this book, the scriptures, and they will look through this, these texts and they will use it more as a psychology book or a self-help book than they will instructions for freedom in their life. Matthew 16, 24 says this. I love this verse. It says this. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, here's what he said. If any of you want to be my follower... You must do what? You must turn from your what? Selfish. Let me tell you what selfish does. Selfish says this. Okay, what can I get out of it? A lot of you guys have been in relationships like this, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Those relationships where it's like, good Lord, man, I'm just being used here. What can I get out of it? What is it that I can take? If you turn from your selfish ways, all right, take up your cross and follow me. Now, I want to explain something to you briefly before we go on to the next point. A lot of people think that taking up your cross means that there are issues and problems in your life. 
There are issues and problems in your life that you have to deal with. Maybe there's a hardship. Maybe there's something. You're going to take up all those things and you're going to follow Jesus. That's not the truth. Here's the truth. Do you guys know what your cross is? Do you know what your cross is? It's you. You are your cross. You're it. You are the one that's getting in the way of what God wants to do in your life. What he's saying here is this. If you will die to your selfish ways, and if you will put those things aside, and you will take those things and lay them on the cross, then I will resurrect your life just like I resurrected Christ. That's what God's saying. It's us. You are. The cross cross in your life is you. And a lot of people want to know what is in it for me. The next thing is this. I've talked to these people a lot. And I'm sure there's people here. The next point is that I'm smarter than God. All right, look, uh, okay. I don't really want anything because here's the thing. I'm smarter than God. Look, I'm just here because so-and-so wanted me to be here. I'm smart. I don't believe all that mess anyway. I've heard the same story over and over. I don't, I don't believe that. It's interesting because in the scripture in John chapter 18, I want to read it for you. John chapter 18, starting in verse 19. The scenario is, is that Jesus has been brought before the high priest. Now you have to realize in order to be the high priest, you have to be way up there. All right, we're talking about brilliant. We're talking about scholar. We're talking about they know all the answers. They have all the answers. They're the leader. They're the ones that everybody goes to. And so he brought before Jesus and he starts asking Jesus these questions. He says this, he says, Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Now, I want you to understand something. The high priest didn't have to ask him what he's been teaching them because the reason that Jesus was before the high priest was because of what he had been teaching them. It wasn't a huge surprise to the high priest that Jesus was before him. It wasn't a huge surprise that Jesus had been teaching them. The high priest knew exactly what Jesus had been teaching them. But in order to show how much smarter he is than Jesus, he says this. He says, What exactly have you been teaching? Basically, he said this, let me make you look like an idiot in front of all these people and show you how much smarter I am than you. Let me show you those things. And Jesus' response was this, everyone knows what I teach. See that? I have preached regularly in the synagogues and in the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Right after this, one of the guards, wham, smacked Jesus upside the head. Don't you talk to him like that. That's exactly what he said. There's a lot of people that think that they're smarter than Christ. It's interesting. I don't know if you guys know who Joaquin Phoenix is. He's an actor. And he actually is doing a, there's a movie about the Mary Magdalene. And he is portraying Jesus in the movie. And one of the things that came out two weeks ago was that Joaquin Phoenix refused. There's a part in the movie where the text says that Jesus took mud, wiped the eyes of the blind person, had him wash it off, and he was healed. And Joaquin Phoenix refused, refused to do that scene in the movie. It will not be in the movie because he said, I'm not doing that. I'm not wiping. How, how degrading is that? And he said this, what kind of fool would heal someone like that? What kind of fool would heal someone like that? You see, he knows better 
He knows better than Jesus. He does. You know, I can always tell where people stand on an issue. Every once in a while, I'll just throw out something on Facebook. And usually when I throw something out on Facebook, I'll get 30, 40, 50 responses or likes or whatever, you know. And I can usually tell where people stand. If it's something kind of, kind of good that I usually stole from someone else, and then it'll get a lot more. Usually if it's funny, it gets like 100. But I always can tell what people think. And because uh, last week I, I threw this out there, and I did it for this sermon. And it's this. If you disagreed with God on an issue, would you still submit? If you disagreed with God on an issue, would you still submit? I didn't get a lot of likes on that one. I didn't. I didn't get a lot of comments on that one. I didn't. I got four or five. I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. Why? Well, We're not going to say it out loud and we're not going to tell anyone else, but deep down inside, there's a group of us that think that we're smarter than God. And we think, you know, I know just enough about this whole God thing that I can make my own Jesus. I can make my own happiness. I can make my own... I can do all those things. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is is I'm I'm going to land this job. When I land this job, when I get out of college and I land this job and I start making this amount of money then that's what's going to make me happy. And that's what's going to make me content. And that's what's going to make me feel fulfilled. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And we place all our eggs in that basket only to figure out that when we get there, that that's not making us fulfilled. You know, maybe, I never had this problem, by the way, but maybe my looks can be my savior. Maybe I'm just so cute. Whatever that thing is going around Facebook about I feel cute or whatever, That's from the pit of hell. Let me just say that right now. I hate that. That's free. We'll go on. But oftentimes, if you put that on my wall or tag me, please don't do it. There's teenagers right now going to do it as we get out. Please don't do that. But, But maybe your looks, maybe you think, you know, if I can just look a certain way. If I can just land this person or that person, maybe, maybe if I can just get this spouse or I can get this person to like me or that person to like me, maybe that can be my savior. Maybe that will make me feel good. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's that new home. Gosh, man, if I only lived in that neighborhood, if I only lived in that neighborhood beside that person with that car and that furniture and, and, and those other things and that boat and, and that car and on and on and on and on, all that will bring me happiness. And you and I both know In the end, all it is is stuff, and it's worthless, and it's not eternal. I love this verse. I know I'm supposed to use this verse because one of my close friends posted this verse a couple days ago, and I I already had it in my message and had it in mind. I was like, oh, God, that's you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. When you trust someone, when you trust someone, you are taking your hands off of a situation and you are allowing that person to take over from that point. So it says, trust in who? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And here's what it says after. Seek His will in all you do. And he will do what? He will show you which path to take. 
A lot of us, a lot of us are asking God what I get, but a lot of us think we're maybe a little smarter than God. Man, I got this thing figured out. I know better than you. We're not going to tell that to anybody, but our actions show it. They do. They really do. Here's the third person. The third person is this. Well, preacher, great story. See you next year. Great story. See you next year. It's interesting. I've heard this a lot. A lot. And people are like, yeah, I know, I've heard the whole Jesus thing. I know, Jesus came, he died, rose again, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, great, okay, 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 okay. I can't wait to eat the ham this afternoon. And I hope they have cheesecake. It's interesting. I was talking to someone this week. I was talking to someone this week who has an addiction problem. And at one point, they were open to God, and they were open, and their lives were going differently. Their lives were going better. They had turned their life over to Christ. And then they turned the other way. And over the past six or seven, eight years, they have nothing to do with God. Nothing. Nothing. Now, I can personally go down and tell you story after story after story of how God had delivered this person from different things. But for the past seven or eight years, I have nothing to do with God. And this week, they came to me and wanted to talk to me about their addiction. And here's what I told them. I said, I'm going to tell you this, and this is all I know. The only hope that you have in being set free, the only hope that you have from being set free is to know the truth of who Christ is. You have no other hope to be set free unless you have a genuine, genuine encounter with Christ. And you know the truth. And if you know that truth, the Bible says that it will set you free. And it was interesting because as soon as I brought that up, the conversation ended really, really quick. Really quick. I don't know where that's going to end up. I don't know where that situation is going to end up. I do know this. That I told them the truth. John says this in chapter 8. John chapter 8 verses 31 through 32 says this. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. If you remain faithful to my teaching. And here it is. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Another self-help book isn't going to set you free. Another, I'm telling you, nothing else is going to set you free except the truth. The truth will set you free. And that truth is only found in Christ and what He did for you and for me. There's a fourth group of people here, and it's these people who say, I'll follow and I'll do whatever God wants. I'll follow and I'll do whatever God wants. For me, you guys, I made that decision on February 18th, 1990. I stand before you as someone who probably should be a three-time divorced alcoholic looking for the fourth one. Truth. It's the truth. 
I knew little to nothing about God. I didn't know who Jesus was until I was 16 years old. In the Bible Belt, I lived in the Bible Belt. I'm talking about the buckle of the Bible Belt right there where it meets the little line, the little metal thing that goes through the loop. I'm telling you, I was right there. That's where I lived. And yet I would go to church every once in a blue moon and I knew nothing about Christ. I knew nothing about His sacrifice. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know who He was. I just assumed that Easter was about Easter bunnies and Christmas was about Santa Claus and I liked solid chocolate bunnies and I liked presents and so I was good to go. But I made that decision in 1990 and I waited two and a half years to do it. The first time I heard Christ was when I was getting ready to be 17 and then after that I was almost 19 years old before I accepted Christ. I was. And I accepted Christ because I was like, I I waited two and a half years because I was like, listen, it has to be genuine to me. I'm not going to do this. If I'm all in, I'm all in. And I got to be honest with you. There have been times when I've doubted. There's been times when I've thought about walking away. God wouldn't let me. And I've decided I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And here's the thing. I want you to be all in too. I do. I don't want you to leave here. I don't want you to leave here with that marital problem. I don't want you to leave here with that marital problem that you have and not allow Christ to address it. I don't want you to leave here with that worry about your health and not let Christ address it. I don't want you to leave here worrying about your grades or worrying about your family or worrying about whether or not you're going to make it with your wife or whether or not you're going to make it with your husband. I don't want you to leave here worried about those finances. I don't want you to leave here worried about all those things. I don't. I don't at all. Lean not to your own understanding. If you know the truth, it'll set you free. I'm going to close with this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message And I don't have it up there, but I want to tell you the story. In the message, it says this. It says, the best thing you can do for God is to take your every day, walking around every day, getting up and going every day. If you'll just take all that, if you'll take all that mundane stuff, that driving to work and coming back, hanging out with your family, hanging out with your friends, if you'll take all of that and you'll just give it over to God as a sacrifice, if you'll just say, God, you can have all that. I want you to go with me. I want you to go with me. It says this. It says, that's the best thing that you can do for God. And you'll be amazed what he'll do for you. Today, I want to encourage you to take your everyday walking around life and give it over to Christ. Give it over to Christ. There's symbolism there's symbolism in the, uh, in, in, in the church that we do. It's baptism. And it's where we see a person who has been buried with Christ and then is raised up. And I can't think of a better day to celebrate that. And so today, and I'm going to go ahead and ask the people right now that are involved in that, you guys go ahead and make your way. Today, you guys, we get to see a baptism. We get to see a really cool example on Easter Sunday of what it looks like to die to yourself, submit yourself to Christ, and to be raised to walk a new life. I'm so excited about what we're going to be seeing today. I'm more excited about this, though. I'm more excited that the same Christ that has saved every one of the people that are be going into the waters has the ability to save you and save me, and He's waiting for you to make the first step. I'm going to ask our praise band to come up. Connor's going to be right here. 
with you guys. He will pray for you. He will be here for you. We have an open altar here. That means that if you want to come lay something at the altar, you want to pray, if you want to bring a friend with you, there's nothing magical about these stairs. They get vacuumed every week. We sweep the floors. There's nothing magical. So if you want to do it, do it at your seat. That's fine too. But I'm going to encourage you to do something. Don't leave here the same way that you came here. Don't leave here the same way you came here. Don't leave here unchanged. Don't leave here unchanged. Let me, let me pray for you. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you, God. God, we ask you now to do what only you can do. To come in and to save us. To come in and give us new life. To come in and give us freedom. Lord, I ask you right now just to be strong in this place. As we prepare to go see these incredible people be baptized, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about what you're doing in our lives. And I'm so excited about who you are. Lord, let us, let us be an example for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless and remember to love God love others, and live real.